It's time for the thirstiest podcast on the net. You're now listening to Thirst World Problems with your host, Nick Dougal, along with Mr. Bell and the Doc. My book is Small Town Boxer. And, uh, you know, I wrote wrote a book and I, you know, it's just uh, an autobiography about all the crazy shit I did, you know, when I was a kid. <laughs> All right. That's and working for, I was a trunks bodyguard when I was 21. And just a lot of crazy stories pertaining to that. Um, are, you, are you guys, can you swear? Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. Crazier the stories. I was in a contest in high school with all these other big times. I was on the U.S. boxing team when I was in high school. And my best friend was on the U.S. karate team. And a bunch of my other buddies played college ball. So we were real competitive. We had a um, crazy, crazy place of sex. <laughs> uh, Craziest place to have sex in. And, you know, and, and, you know it'd be like, uh, like I won it with the, uh, at, 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 in the bathroom during school. You know, just shit like that. This was back in the 80s, man, before <laughs> all that shit, you know, got hip, you know. And uh, on top of a lot of towers, if anything, you know, just crazy places, man. So you won. So you won the contest. That, oh, <laughs> yeah. You know, it's number one. The actual number one, and, and everybody said hey, this can be. Beat. It can be beat. The Mar-a-Lago Tower in Palm Beach. Ooh. Oh, damn! This guy, took yeah, a classy. Small town boxer, lads, a socialite. <laughs> yeah, with a social a socialite, man. I, oh. I got busy on top of that tower with a socialite. Oh, her daddy must have been happy about that, eh? Well, uh, yeah, I'm sure he ain't gonna like that if you if you ever read the book. You uh, don't <laughs> like, you know, he was great to work for. You know, he's real good to me, so. Yeah, I, yeah. Wait, 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 wait. This was the boss's daughter? No, 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 no. No, it was a Palm Beach socialite. Wasn't it was not no, hell no. She's a little girl, man. No. That'd make me a pedophile that'd make me a pedophile, dude. No. All right, uh, well uh yeah? <laughs> Oh yeah, we're here. We're here. We're here. We're just right. we just took a shot, so <laughs> Every time we break out in laughter, we all take a shot here, so you might uh, hear us clinking glasses. Oh, you guys so are gonna often. get drunk, trust me. We're, we're gonna talk some shit, shit homeboy. <laughs> oh, <laughs> we're gonna get deep today. That's where awesome. Where are you at right now? Uh, I'm in uh, Phoenix. Well, I'm in Mesa, Arizona, right now. In Arizona, huh? It's place yeah. To be. All right, we're, let's uh, let's should we get started? Let's do it. Okay. Uh, on the line with us, we got uh, Michael Susky, former boxer. And bodyguard um, Michael's going to be uh, explaining to us to about his uh, new book that just came out, and uh, we'll be you know getting some stories off of him and some uh, crazy shit. This guy crazy does some crazy crazy shit. Told us some stories before uh, we started here, and it's uh, amazing. So uh, Michael, thank you for being on uh, the podcast. Um, it's uh, you took you know I kind of was off guard, but. Uh, Thank you for giving us some time on your, uh, you know, Friday night here. So appreciate that, uh, Michael. Tell us uh, just a little little background about yourself, and uh, and then we'll uh, ask a few questions. 
Well, I was, uh, I grew up, I was a big time athlete and I was, uh, wrestling. I was one of the, I, I would have been made the Olympics had I kept wrestling. I was, uh, I was in all the programs. Well, man, I was one of the best wrestlers in history. His senior year, he had, he had all pins and zeros. If he went the distance with you, he, he shut you out. And, um, and, and I, if you scored on him, he pinned you. So his official record is all pins and zeros. And he won some international competitions. So I grew up wrestling, and then, um, you, know, you know, I was a big defensive football player of the year. You know, I was a real good, real good athlete, and I got a black belt. And I got in a fight with a black belt oh. in eighth grade. Where, where was and, this? And uh, this is in Flushing, Michigan, where I grew up. Ah, uh, Michigan, okay. In junior high, I got in a fight with this black belt. Some kid, some kid in my grade owned a dojo, the Beaties. And uh, so every other kid in my, in my, in, you know, in, in junior high was a black belt karate, man. It was crazy. So I get in a fight with this black belt. He gave me a big black guy. And I was, I could have easily whooped his ass. I was way tougher than any of those kids, right? Mm-hmm. But, um, but I, I, I tried to strike it out. I tried to use my hands with him. And, you know, I was a big time wrestler. Like I said, I, had, I could have shot in on him, took him down and grind him out. You know, it's like I did everybody else. But for whatever reason that day, I, you know, I believe in my height out this black belt and give me a big black guy. And then after that, I was like, shit, I need to learn how to fight, man. <laughs> so then, um, so my dad always wanted me to be a boxer. The reason why I was born is because Muhammad Ali. Muhammad Ali had three girls and then had a boy. And my dad had three girls. And at that time, he's like, fuck it, man. I had a boy, right? So then four years after they stopped having kids, my dad saw Ali had a boy, you know, after three girls. And he said to my mom, he said, hey, man, why don't we try having a boy? And, you know, Ali, Ali beat the odds. And so they had me. <laughs> fast, fast forward 19 years, guess who's sitting ringside at the Hoosier Dome watching no me win way. a national title? No way. Huh? Muhammad Ali was Ali. at one of your fights? Wow! Well, well, ring side when I won won a national title, the only belt you could win in amateur boxing is the uh, International Black Expo. Wow! And uh, you know, for us boxers, we just called it the Nationals. Mike Tyson, when he raped that girl back in the '91, uh-huh. it was that tournament where, where, where I, the year before I won it in '90, I won it. '91, Mike Tyson raped that girl at that tournament. Wow! That's the very tournament I won. Anyway, so after that, uh, after I, you know, I got beat up in eighth grade gym class, and that's like the, it was the biggest, I don't know, probably the biggest event of my life, man. I, you know, I, I had a choice to, 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 yeah, I had a big mouth, man. I always had a big mouth. I had a choice either learn to keep my mouth shut or learn to fight. So, <laughs> so I chose the latter, and it worked out pretty good for me. So what? So what's the time uh, that your mouth has gotten you in trouble? Let's say like recently, so in your adult life, anyways. Let's say in your adult life, a time oh, that your mouth got you in trouble. I just knocked some dude out cold in the bar. Well, a little bit ago, I knocked some guy out cold, and that's just, it's just stuff like that. I've been so many. The only reason why, you know, if you think the only reason why I boxed is because I had a big mouth, and I was always <laughs> can so, imagine. Suppose I knocked five guys out cold one night, downtown Flint, man, downtown Flint. I knocked five guys out cold one night. How'd you but get into scrap with five guys? Night. That's a good. That's a good hit kill streak. Oh, right he's crazy, man! Me and my brother Jake the Snake and Willie Wilson. That's all we did. We're legends, man. That's the three good. of us: Jake the Snake, Willie Wilson, and me. 
they call me sushi. Man, we that's all we did was fight. So you used to hang out with Jake uh, the we, Snake? Yeah, well, no, not the real. That that. Oh, no, okay, we, okay, he, okay. He grew up with me. We, 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 I, I don't know. I think I might have nicknamed him Jake the Snake. But <laughs> his nickname was Jake the Snake forever, right? Big, big kid named Jake. And we all grew up together. And then Willie Wilson, he was crazy. Calling him the, the one punch assassin. He knocked out so many guys with one punch. The one funny. punch assassin? That's crazy. I'd like to have that. I guess, yeah, yeah. I guess anybody, like he, he literally, anybody named Jake, you, have to, you have to name him so many guys with one punch. It was insane. He knocked a dude out one night. We're, in a, we're, we're at a big hall party, right? And all hell breaks loose. I had nothing to do with this, too, man. Next thing you know, I'm right in the middle of all of this. Jake the Snake got, got uh, some dudes with some dudes uh, coming down on Jake the Snake. So me, Jake the Snake, and Willie Wilson were all like brothers, man. We grew up together since we were little kids. And we're all, and, and we, you know, we all could fight. I was on the U.S. boxing team in high school. And me, Jake the Snake and Willie Wilson, I wouldn't want to fight them, man. That's how bad <laughs> these fucking dudes were. The one punch yeah, assassin. If I was punch boxer, assassin. they, they would have whooped the shit out of me, man. So anyways, uh, so we're getting a, we, uh, Jake was getting, some dudes jumped Jake out in the parking lot. We're at a hall party. So me and Willie go out there. And next thing you know, me and Willie are scoring up with these five dudes that were out, out in the parking lot messing with Jake. And I guess Jake went back in the party looking for us. The next, so it's just me and Willie Wilson out there. Willie hits this, the dude is six foot four, hits this guy so freaking hard, one shot, man. And, uh, the dude, six foot four, lays out cold. And his feet went straight up in the air. His body was a perfect... Not, i never seen that in my life. Straight up in the fucking air. <laughs> Cartoon his, his character. His body was man. a perfect 90-degree angle. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then one of the guys, one of the guys we were fighting with was, was a, a defensive lineman on, uh, for Eastern University. East, Michigan. Mich- Eastern Michigan University. So you're scrapping it up with football and he players. Hit me. Oh, dude was a defensive lineman. He hit me. And, you know, at this time, I've been boxing for years, man. And, uh, you know, I didn't even feel it, man. But I beat, I put that old boy in the hospital. <laughs> Defensive lineman for Michigan East. When I got done with that prick, he had to go to the hospital. You made that guy when lose his scholarship, man. No. No, this back up in Michigan. This back up in Flushing. He was on break or whatever. It was a weekend. So I don't, I don't think the... Uh, I don't think uh, the actual football team knew anything. But other than him getting it, coming back, I'll beat the hell, man. Beat the shit out of it, dude. Coach, I can't play. Other than that, they they wouldn't even know he got in a fight. Michael, when did you uh, when did you turn pro? Uh, well, I started okay, so I got I got beat up in '85. I started fighting amateur in '86. I won a national title in my second boxing tournament. My first big boxing tournament, I almost won that wow. uh, national. I, I go to the Nationals, right? Mm-hmm. The Junior Olympics is the biggest one you can go, man. Right. It's like the Olympics for, for the junior kids, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I had this fucking dude beat, man. I, and I was kicking his ass, and I get disqualified in the second round for slapping. And I had this old boy knocked. I broke his nose, and I was breaking him down. He couldn't breathe. When you break, get your nose broke, broke a lot of times blood gets in your sinuses. You can't breathe, right? Mm-hmm. right. I was just in his shit, right? I was dogging him out. So I was beating him up, and I get DQ'd for slapping. So then I had to wait around. So I'm in there with Chris Bird, future heavy Olympian and future future Olympian and heavyweight world champ, Chris Bird. And Chris wins every fight. So I sit around until he lost, so I can drive back up to Michigan. We're down in North Carolina. 
So Chris wins every fight. And the dude I had knocked out, he beats everybody. I got DQ'd fighting this prick, and he went on and beat everybody. Pissed me off. Oh, that hurt yeah. so bad watching that shit. That old boy knocked out. Then I won the Nationals, the very, my very next tournament. And then, uh, and then, so I, you know, I, I, my pro, my amateur career was up and down. It depended, you know, I, I like the ladies and, and ladies and boxing don't go together. And, uh, you know, I, I, I drank, I probably, I was an alcoholic, but I definitely liked the party way more than I should have. And, uh, I, I made the U.S. boxing team won a couple national titles, but I, it should have been a lot better than what I did. And then I uh, I went to work for Trump, dude. I was amateur champ, and Trump heard about me, and uh, they wait, called wait, wait, me wait. up. President Trump, like, Donald Trump, the president uh, Donald was Trump. in bankruptcy. Nineteen ninety two, he's in bankruptcy, and the bodyguards down in Florida lost their gun. The head of security down there was my uncle. My uncle knew what a thug I was. I'd beat up anybody. It was, and it didn't matter how big you were. The bigger the dudes were, the, the more confident I was. Because they were just still fucking slow. They, none of them could hit me. <laughs> and, um, you know what I mean? Move and like and bare knuckles, it don't take much. I, I broke a guy's jaw with a jab one time in a street fight. Damn. So And... Um, so it, it don't take much to knock somebody out. So so uh, so I, I did that job for I worked for Trump for a year, and then I resigned, and then I had a pro contract in '94. I had my first pro fight. '94, okay. So so uh, with Donald Trump, you I'm a, obviously you had you've had face to face conversations. What was the first time? When was the first time you met the dude? I met him while well, I was his personal bodyguard down on Mar Largo. I met him. Uh, 90, 92. I met him nineteen ninety two. I was uh, I was um, on the security staff down at Mar a Lago, and then he he would mostly lot. Well, in the winter time, he'd stay at Mar Mar a Lago a lot, but for the most part, for the most part, he's running his company. So on on the weekdays, he's up in New York, and then he's in bankruptcy. So he's he's flying uh, he's flying. Um, on regular airplanes, you know, he didn't have a private airplane. Really? He's flying wow, commercial. Crazy. Yeah, he's flying. Dude, dude, hey, all the mother motherfuckers walked out on their debt. You have L- You know what LLC is? Uh, no, explain. You know it. anything about LLCs? No. Limited liability okay. Uh, oh, okay. corporations or whatever yeah. it is, LLC. Limited liability insurance or whatever it yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if you know anything about them, they, they should be legal. Because what happened was back in the late '80s, Florida took a big shit. The economy took a big dump, and then and then you you run your you run your business through an LLC, and you just bank the LLC and walk away from the debt. No, it doesn't affect Trump. You. Yeah, no, I mean you just liquidate your LLC. I mean, and it costs next to nothing, dude. So Trump actually paid off all his fucking debt. He was the only cat down in. He's only a multimillionaire down in. South Florida paying it off, paying off his debt. That's how that's how he got famous. He wrote that book, The Art of the Deal, and The Art of the Deal was uh, was about keeping your word and paying off the debt that all these other pricks walked away from. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, and, uh, like so anyway, so he's in bankruptcy, and and that was on the chopping box. Having armed guards on Mar a Lago, which he had, you know, a decade before that. He did away with armed guards. And then my uncle was freaking out because he kept going down South Beach. 
and it was getting real sketchy. And then so he, he you know, he figured out he needs, you know, I I drop like I said, I drop anybody. And so he so he called me up and said, "Hey man, we need a thug. Get, get your ass down here." <laughs> I, and that was in 1992. I, I fought in the 92. Olymp- I was Olympic hopeful, and I lost. I lost in the quarterfinals of the National Olympic Trials to Fraser Quindo, who went on to be heavyweight world champ. And I had that prick beat, dude. I won a fight, and I lost on a split. Uh, had a concussion though. That I had a bunch of hard fights in the Olympic trials, and then and then so I'm fighting in the nationals. I didn't want to be there, man. I was, I was Michigan representative, and I was so depressed. When, and back then, concussions weren't even on the radar, man. Mm-hmm. And so I was just a kid, right? And I'm fighting the national Olympic trials. I'm beating. I knocked out the Pennsylvania champ before I fought that. Uh, you know, President Quindo. And um, I was winning these fights, and I didn't want to be there, man. That's, that's how my shit was on. Before I got a concussion, everybody picked me to make the Olympic team. And then uh, Al Mitchell. Al Mitchell was one of the Olympic coaches. And he even told a uh, fucking Olympic coach. said, yeah, he goes, you keep fighting the way you do, Mike. You're going to win this whole damn thing. And then I got a concussion uh, fighting Bean, one of my nemesis. He was one of the best middleweights in the country. Me and Bean went at it. And um, I had some hard fights before that, too. But, you know, I think Bean probably pushed me over the edge and got me the concussion. And I got real depressed. I still beating dudes, too, man. But uh, President Quinto was really fast and awkward, man. So he was heavy world champ. And and uh, he was really awkward, man. He was just hard to fight. And kind of tripped me up a little bit. But everybody said I won the fight. I get out of the ring, I lost a split decision, 3-2. And everybody, everybody's like, man, that was bullshit, man. You won that fight. But anyways, so then after that, so that was 92 Olympic trials. And so I sat idle, man. I got kicked out of boxing. I was being a dick and walked out in negotiations <laughs> with uh, Jackie Kalen down in Detroit. And they all got pissed at me and said, you'll never fight the palace. And you might as well just get out of here because you ain't fighting in you know, in Michigan, and you ever you ever seen that movie um, Against the Ropes? Yep, with Meg Ryan. That's right. Yeah, boxing movie. Yep. Yeah, that was on. That was on my promoter's life. That Jackie Kane. Oh. That was based on her life. Oh wow! That's, yeah, that's crazy. That's crazy. Remember James Lightfoot Tony? Yeah. One of the greatest. He's a Hall of Fame middleweight. I used to be his main sparring partner when I was an amateur. Man. Oh wow! Twenty twenty years old, man. I was going toe to toe with that. Bro. So young, so young. And, and I was the only dude. And you were I having fun out, out there. So, uh, what'd you say? I said you were so young when you were doing a lot of these things and just having fun 20, out there. Twenty, dude. I started boxing when I was fifteen. <laughs> twenty years old. I James Tony's main sparring, a two-time national champ. All that bullshit. I won like ten state titles. And I'm 20 years old, and I'm and I'm still an amateur training for the Olympics. And I was James Lytle, Tony's main sparring partner. And so he's having. Remember when he fought Mike McCollum? Are you familiar with boxing at all? Yes, yes. It was fight of the year, 1991. It was fight of the year, hands down. Every fucking you ask any boxer today, uh, the, the, one of the greatest middleweight fights ever, and they're going to tell you technically, you know, coming from a from a, a technical boxing uh, stance. McCollum and Tony had one of the greatest fights ever. Fight of the year. And so anyway, so uh, Mike, me and Tony fought together in the amateurs. He's a lot better than me, but obviously, uh, you know, he went on and did incredible things just right out the gate, man. 
I'll give it. I can't stand the guy, but I'll give it to him. I mean, he did some incredible shit within two years, man. He went. He went in '88. He he was he was he was scared to fight me in 1988 uh, at the ABF Michigan uh, Michigan uh, ABF Box Amateur Boxing Federation biggest tournament there is, bigger than the Golden Gloves. And Amateur Boxing Federation back then was was, was uh, the Olympic program shit. So he he was he he was glad he didn't have to fight me right he fought a weight division <laughs> above me, and then uh, he's fighting novice, fucking fighting novice in '88 in 1990 he knocked out Michael Nunn one of the greatest middleweights ever. That's crazy. In the pros. So how come in, you in couldn't a pro stand title him? Fight. Huh? How come you couldn't stand him? Oh, I was in camp with him, and uh, he just run his mouth, man. We got—I got in a street fight with him the first week I was in camp with him, and I grew, like I said, I grew up wrestling, so I took his ass down. <laughs> well, he'd call these team. I'll let me back up. He—he'd call these team meetings, right? And so we—we we had butlers, we had maids, we had a chef, and we had, we're, we're down in camp, right? So we're in the high rise in Detroit. And we had this real nice gym, CMI. Jackie Kalen was a, was a Jewish lady, very wealthy Jewish lady. And she, and she got a uh, – CMI was a really nice uh, high-end Jewish uh, health club in Detroit uh, on 10 Mile. And she got them guys to put a gym in, in the basement of their actual training facility, you know, a fitness gym or, or a fitness facility, I guess you would call it. Okay. And so, so I was in camp down there, right? So we had, we're in a high rise. Like I said, we had butlers, chefs, and then we drive, drive to that gym and, and beautiful place. The dudes were handing towel. There was a butler at, at the door. And you walked into the, uh, the, the, the locker room at the gym, giving you a towel. Dude would smile and give everybody a towel. That's how high end this place was. Wow. And, uh, yeah, no shit. So, so anyway, so I'm in camp with them guys and Tony was such a prick, man. He was, he'd call <laughs> team meetings and then he'd just berate everybody. He called team meetings. So, so like I said, uh, the trainers and, and, and then the cooks and the, the, you know, the, the, the maids and all that. Everybody had to come to this team meeting and he just, he just berated everybody, yelling at everybody and shit. Because as an amateur, they use that as an excuse not to pay me, right? These other sparring partners who I'm better, who I was better than, they're, they're making like a thousand dollars a week, right? Mm-hmm. And because I was an amateur, well, we're not allowed to pay you. Which is total bullshit because I knew De La Hoya, Chris Bird, all them guys, they all, all got, guys paid got paid to spot with the champions. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And, and it was it was this common knowledge, right? <laughs> so they're like, oh, well, you're amateur. We can't pay you. And I'm like, well, this is total bullshit. So I'm not on the money tip, right? And all these other sparring partners, they're making a grand a month or a grand a week, you know, to spar. You're making four grand a month and you still got to train for the fight you got going on. You know, that's good money, mm-hmm. especially in 1992. Yeah, that's not bad at all. So I was like, so, so, and they weren't paying me, so I was like, fuck that, man. And so Tony Tony started uh, chewing on everybody. The first time he called the team meeting, I didn't know, you know, I didn't know what it was about. I and mean, he just berated everybody. And then he got a hair up his ass maybe a week later, and he called another team meeting. Once once he called that team meeting, you know, for that night, I was like, man, I'm kicking his ass. So I, did. <laughs> so I went over my head. I went over my This guy's a pound for pound best fighter in the world. I'm 20 years old, 
And all I'm thinking about is how to take his ass out, right? As soon as he called that team meeting, I knew what, I knew what he was going to do and I knew what I was going to do. So I kept thinking, man, I, I had a strategy how he's going to get a hold of his ass. He's you know, pound best fighter in the world, man. And so I was like, I, I'm, I, I knew I was going to get him, though. You're not a and fan so of team meetings? I did. I did, I did everything. Uh, pardon me? You're not a fan of team meetings, eh? Call that team meeting, man. I, I started calling him. I, I, uh, I told him everybody, I, I said, everybody in the room thinks you're an asshole. And I said, and if, uh, and if, and if everybody wasn't on your money tip, they'd all tell you to fuck off. Because you weren't, you weren't, me. right? So you could say what you wanted to say. Yeah, I wasn't getting paid. You know what I mean? They weren't, you know, they, they're, they're just jerking me off. Everybody, all my buddies got paid, dude. Dale Hoy used to make break in on. Dale Hoy would make 1500 a week sparring with dudes, man. Chris Bird, wow. too. That's crazy insight yeah. right there. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we are going to talk to you again for sure. I'm going to just call you just to have that conversation. Okay. I might drive to yeah, go ahead, man. Know. I got so many stories on them guys. Okay, well, we'll touch base Kennedy, with you. all that shit, man. Okay, all right, nice. We're going to touch base with you probably next week, and we'll have a chat then and talk about the future. Let's do it. Thanks, Mike. All right, thanks so nice much time. for giving us time on your Friday night, buddy. All right, thank you, man. All right, talk to you later, bud. Bye-bye. This is the Thirst World Problems Podcast featuring Nick Dugan. If I had 10 mil, I'd cut all ties with my family. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Just <laughs> right there. No, man, that's going to get the podcast, man. Yeah.